Chapter 100 Fire's Fury The scythern moving walls and floors did much to save time, but had little effect on my impatience. To those that had been guarding the cells and those that had been employed as torturers, I must have appeared as if we stepped out of thin air. There was no burst of magic that presaged our arrival. The corridor simply changed, depositing us where I wanted to go, then restored the path to the original floor configuration. I'm not sure if the Scythern expanded the passageway and raised the height of the ceilings, but even mounted on Mila, I had no need to duck. Those that followed me, the Slaw especially, found enough room to spread out. The dungeon was more cave with individual cells lining walls. Flickering light sources embedded in walls supplied an ambience that had to have been done for effect. It didn't matter if the Scythern had increased the size of the area, or it had been the size to begin with. The dungeon space was enough to allow all those that had followed me to enter. The myriad guards and retainers surrounding me, forming a wall of bodies that would protect and intimidate any that came near. Their actions and movements silent, automatic and evoking professionalism that signaled intent. They were primed to kill my emotions having bled over and increased their wariness and preparedness. There were shouts of confusion and alarm by some of the braver guards, as well as demands that we identify ourselves and surrender for questioning by some of the stupider ones. The shouts originating from those few people that would only have a second to realize that they were already dead. I didn't care which of them was actually responsible for harming Irvin. I wasn't aware of what had been done to Cedric, Euron, and Lorne, but the system announcements had made it clear that Irvin had been badly tortured, and frankly, it didn't matter if they had been treated well. At this point, my anger fueled my magics. Have you ever seen a chemical reaction when dry ice is dropped into a bucket of water? The explosive reaction of water fanning everywhere, followed by billowing clouds of vapor. Now imagine doing something similar to a sea body. The god Cryonax commanded the domain of Winter's Bite, but beyond that, he had been formed from the primordial cold of deep space, formed before the stars had formed to warm planets and shed light and life. As the inheritor of that domain, I directed that element, the extreme cold that managed to withstand the spark that gave birth to the creation of the multiverse, and as I sent the smallest drop of power into each of the guards and torturers that I had encountered in that hallway, the chemical reaction of that smallest particle of primordial cold caused the body to erupt. Blood to fountain in gouts of explosive reaction and chunks of sea to be vaporized or dispersed. Rolling coils of fog all there was left. Giving no further thought to the people I had just executed, I began casting out, my perception seeking until I found them, Cedric first, followed by Lorne and Euron in adjoining cells, finally Irvin, emaciated and tortured, naked with body parts removed and cauterized so that restoring and healing was beyond the natural regenerative nature of sea. Intense magic and effort would be required to grow back the fingers, Toes, eyes, tongue, and manhood that had been burned to seal flesh. 
The removal made even more horrific because it removed Irvin's ability to transform. They had trapped him in his sealy body, crippled and deformed, deemed not worthy of either the respect due to the son of a Kelpie lord or a member of a ranked house. They had removed what made him Kelpie, a man, and were working to break his mind, removing that spark of awareness that made him a person. They were ruthlessly trying to strip him of his identity, to remove the essence of Fae that made him see. I knew you would come, Irvin croaked, his lips dry and cracked from the lack of water. He was too weak to sit. They had been starving him too. When I started seeing the system announcement, when I knew that you had established your kingdom, I knew, and I had faith. The smile he shared with me, the utter conviction that I would see him free, was humbling. I don't know what I had done to deserve that kind of faith and loyalty. Certainly I had freed him and his family from Thom's machinations, but his freedom had been so short-lived. His return to captivity, his days filled with torture, the result of plans I had made without considering all the consequences. If I had considered that the Summerland was a fickle lady and might delight in playing tricks with time, I would have changed my original plan. I should have had them travel with me. And yet, if I had, what would that have meant for those of my people that had been enjoying Duke Adowin's hospitality? Open every cell, I ordered my guards. I don't care who has been chained here or why. Today their sentence is commuted, and they are free. None of those that were freed were in much better shape than Irvin. A few, like Lorne and Euron, had been handled with more care. I examined each person who was released. Master Taylor Lee, Lady Sia de Doin, Duke Redcap Yont, Knight Redcap Aliu, Knight Redcap Jant. There were a dozen more, but these six had been handled carefully for some reason. Torture had been done, but not to the extent that Irvin had suffered. The Redcaps I considered carefully. They did not belong to the Seelie faction. Redcaps were part of the shock troops of the Unseelie. I wondered if the Marigu knew they had been imprisoned and tortured. I didn't think it likely. The Unseelie monarch would never allow one of their subjects to be held by the Seelie unless payment or trade had been offered. And the Seelie could never meet the payment demands for a ranked Duke Redcap. Lady Sia de Duin was not a surprise. When I had spoken with Duke Adowin, he had informed me of his niece's predicament, and that the Duke's behavior was the only thing that guaranteed his niece's well-being. His decision to revoke guest rights for my people had been forced on him. The lady was being held hostage, used as leverage against his behavior. I slid off Mila's back so that I could more thoroughly examined my people. Irvin was the most damaged. That he was still alive only possible because of the Seelie ability to regenerate. I sent healing waves of magic through his body, more for cataloging and diagnosis of what remedy was possible for the most severe wounds. The fingers and legs that had been amputated and seared with fire was worrisome, but I thought I would be able to regrow those appendages. 
it would mean making fresh wounds to excise and cut out the areas that had been sealed, doing additional harm before I could restore his anatomy and ability to shapeshift. But the damage to his sexual organs and eyes may be beyond my ability to heal. Not only had they castrated him, but they had also performed a panectomy. His penis not only surgically removed, but catheters had been inserted to burn the channels that connected the reproduction organs. His eyes were treated with the same thorough cruelty. The sockets and optic nerves burned beyond recognition. I had no idea how something like this could be healed. I wondered if I might need to actually amputate his entire pelvic region before I could regrow and fully reverse the horrendous procedure that had resulted in emasculation. But even if I had to use such an extreme method, that wouldn't work for his eyes. For now, I released Belarus's aura at full force, allowing the healing effects of the magic to enfold everyone in the dungeon that was crippled, damaged, and wounded. I paid special attention to Irvin, guiding the magic to heal and restore his vitality without encouraging his wounds to heal. I would wait until we had returned to my kingdom, where Una and Blaine could assist and provide support before I began the arduous series of surgeries to remove and restore. The surgeries that would not be attempted until I had consulted the most powerful healers in any of the three factions. My aura did not completely heal, but it did stabilize. It would take longer than the few moments we spent organizing those that had been freed to complete what I had started. If I were a kinder, more empathetic person, I would have spent that time healing them completely. But in this moment, I cared more about confrontation than resolution. My anger stoked by the fires of Belarus's might. They had been banked long enough. Leaping back into Mila's saddle, I donned the rest of the king's regalia set I had received from system. Diadem of focus, clear sight, set piece two of four, plus five will, plus five intelligence. User is immune to illusion and charm while buff clear sight is active. Scepter of authority, command presence, set piece three of four, plus five strength, plus five intelligence, plus five will. Command presence imposes user will on target. Commands must be obeyed. Cloak of light and shadow. Immutable. Set piece four of four. Plus twenty all defenses. Plus ten armor. Plus five strength. Plus five agility. The user is protected from all damage when immutable is triggered. The effect lasts thirty seconds. Cooldown one day. Once ready. I motioned for Irvin to be lifted up, cradling him in my arms. I sought that connection, that link, that allowed me to communicate with the Sithern and made my desire known. I would have the Sithern open a path to a new location. The combined court was in session, and it was time for the Tuatha de Danann to make their presence known. Mila pawed the ground, leaving deep grooves on the floor. Her distaste was reflective of my own. Eager to be gone, she sprang forward the instant the Sithern responded. The doors that the Sithern opened, the passage to, were shut. Celia and Unseelie standing guard to turn back any who would disturb court proceedings. I'm sure that part of the reason they didn't attempt to bar my way was the lack of opportunity. There simply wasn't any time to respond to our abrupt arrival. But the biggest reason was their shock at our appearance. 
Mila angered and snorting in an attempt to clear her sinuses of the smell of blood and fear that permeated the dungeon. My seat firm and imperious, resplendent in the king's regalia with a ravaged body of the adopted child of my house cradled in my arms. The blaze of magic my presence released. The weight of authority marred by the bloody ruin that was Irvin was overwhelming. His eyes nothing but empty sockets, the destruction to his body, the amputations laid bare, his ruin displayed. Still, he managed a dignity and contentment that was wondrous to behold. I radiated anger and retribution. He radiated acceptance and trust. And beyond that tableau of discordant images flowed the shapes of those other prisoners that I had freed, and my honor guard, the red caps mixing in, their wounds completely healed by this point. The most horrifying image was not the pool of destruction that was Irvin's body. No. The sight that chilled their blood and sent those that would bar the doors into a panic were the slaw. Tentacles reaching out, questing for targets. Their agitation was obvious as they coiled in sinuous frustration. The shadows warping and making it almost impossible to track their movements as they released an overbearing aura. The hunter was awake and they would not be sated unless blood was shed. The Scythern was kind enough to open the doors that had been barred. The seals of magic that prevented spying removed, allowing me and mine our way in. I was now co-ruler of Catharb Hale, an equal partner in the world government, and the Scythern would not allow my passage to be hampered. System announcement. King Tay Mac de Belleros, ye cryonax, has successfully claimed and integrated the Tuatha de Danan faction as a co-equal monarch of the Talam world government. The Scythern capital, Cat Herb Hale, has recognized his claim and given him privileges equal to those of the Seely and Unseely factions. Queen Mab, the boogeyman of the Seely, the monster responsible for what had been done to my people, stood in indignation as the room's attention was divided between the system announcement and my entrance. Her fury blazed from her explosively, but was nothing in comparison to my own. And those attendants that had been unlikely enough to stand between our powers were incinerated, reduced to ash as her light met my fire. I would forsake the healing, life-giving properties of Belarus and embrace the other side of that coin. Fire healed, but it also destroyed. And this day, death had come demanding its due.